Welcome to White Shores, the podcast for spiritual beings having a human experience. Let me invite you to walk once more beside me on White Shores to talk about the real meaning of life and the true power of what is unseen. Let's discuss dreams, intuition, manifesting, as above, so below, angels, afterlife, the science of consciousness, and other infinite possibilities within and all around you. I hope every episode informs, inspires, and illuminates. So, now the scene is set. Allow the grey rain curtain of this world to roll back and all to turn to silver glass. Let's walk barefoot together on the gentle, glistening sands of white shores to see what mystery lies beyond the material. Thank you for arriving safely on white shores, a far green country under a swift sunrise. I have a guest today who's going to take you right back to your roots, quite literally. Can't wait to dive deep into this conversation. It's a fascinating lady and author now. She's called Anu Dial Galati, and she's a certified energy practitioner specializing in ancestral and emotional healing. She came to the US to earn her PhD in economics and just stayed. And after 15 years in finance and academica, she left to help people create the life they want. Her training in ancestral healing work helps people release the past and reclaim their power. She currently lives in Boston, Massachusetts. Hello, Anu. Hi, Teresa. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It's my pleasure to be with you. I'm, I'm super excited to have you on there because it's just wonderful, actually, when you read a book before meeting people that someone's written. So you kind of get a sense of them and you are everything I hope you would be by the sound of your voice and more. So thank you for that. Thank you for being you. But let's plunge right into this. I'm fascinated in your backstory because you trained as an economist and it almost feels like the polar opposite of what you're dealing with right now, you know, rooted in the material world, logic, reason, numbers, and now you're doing healing work. So I'd love for you to share with listeners of White Shores what prompted this dramatic shift really for you to energy practitioner and transformational coach. You're so right, Teresa. It was very dramatic and it was very traumatic as well because um, I had a health, I had a health problem and I ended up having to go into the ER. And I thought, you know what? This this is done and I'm going to get back out. I'm going to restart my life. But then one night out of nowhere, I had to go back into the ER again. And I started to feel that sense of like fear coming over me. Like I wasn't like as sure it was going to be all okay. But I did come out. It was when I had to go in the third time that I started to feel the sense of despair and hopelessness starting to sweep over me. And I could tell from the doctors that they didn't really know what was going on. But I had a very dear friend and she came to see me in the hospital and she looked at me and she said, Anu, what is it going to take for you to change? What is it take for you to try something different? 
And her words like really shook me then. And even till today, I've, I still like feel them in my body. But I literally will myself out of the hospital and I started to explore alternative healing. And I found this amazing Chinese medicine doctor and I discovered flower essences. And those two things really changed my life. They brought me back to health and they changed the trajectory of my life. And I think what that incident really taught me is how important hope is in our lives but also that you're never powerless. You can create change and you can have the life you want. And that's what led me to do the work I do. Beautifully put. Wow. And so now you are a transformational coach and you've also written this book, highly recommended read called Heal Your Ancestral Roots, where you share your thinking, some of which you're glimpsing now in this interview. Um, But when we're in that very low and feeling like everything's against us, I mean, I know listeners of White Shores, many of us have been there. And, you know, even when you pull out of it, there's no guarantee you won't go back into it again. What's your advice when people are feeling like everything I do isn't working how (laughs) you know that 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 as you say that how you described with yourself how you felt just so low and I think it's so important to recognize that there will be lows it's our life is always going to be challenging but it is our capacity to deal with the challenge that grows and when we see challenge as something that we are here to learn from, we are here to grow from, then we can start to not feel so afraid of it, not get so swept under. And I think the other thing that happens is as you dis- when you make that decision to start on a healing journey for yourself, the lows are not as long. The, they, you go in them, you say, what do I need to learn? What do I need to understand? How do I need to change? And you come out really quickly. And that's the beauty of the whole process. And you start to rebuild a connection to yourself, a connection that has been lost very early in childhood, through school, through conditioning, through family, through society. So the process that we are on, the journey that we are on is a rebuilding this connection to ourselves. Oh, <laughs> this speaks so clearly to me. And I know now with myself, you know, because I have lows that I've got to the point now when I get through these lows, I think I try to think some growth needs to happen now. This is happening because there's better ahead and you need to grow. And you're right. It does get it, it sort of passes. It feels like it passes quicker. But it's a misconception, isn't it, to think that once you're on this healing path, that it's all going to be sunshine and roses? That is so true. When I, when I, rem- I remember getting through like the first challenges, the first few challenges and thinking, oh my God, life should be absolutely smooth. I should be completely happy. And I thought there was something wrong with me because, you know, when you look at other people out there, other healers, other people doing the work and you're like, oh, they've got it all together. 
But no, people don't. Everybody is on a journey. They're just different stages of it, different lessons, but everybody is on a journey. And I think that was the biggest eye-opening thing for me, that my journey is not going to end. It'll end perhaps when I die, but it's not going to end before that. And no one's journey is is more important than anyone else's. That's an, another really important thing, isn't it? Now, you, you are an energy practitioner. We're going to go to ancestral healing in a minute. But can you just sort of sum up for people new to energy work, energy healing, what it is and what you do with your clients? How I work with my clients is uh, I'm just listening to them. I'm listening to what is it that they're struggling with? What is it that they're feeling stuck with? And what are the emotions coming up? And then I'm looking for whether that pattern, whether there's a pattern to what they are struggling with. Is it showing up in different areas of their life, perhaps in other relationships, perhaps in other areas of their life? And that gives me an inkling of, you know, what could be going on. And in the in my very first session with people, I'm simply listening for the emotions that are coming up. And a lot of times those emotions are just simply where we've lost connection to ourselves. Absolutely. And is this where the ancestral healing comes in as well? Because um, I know you talk about, you know, some of these wounds that we carry, these lessons we need to learn, they go back generations. Do we inherit the unresolved issues of our ancestors, our parents? Yes, absolutely. And, um, you know, so when I'm listening to my client, I'm listening to where did this pattern repeat in, in across generations? Um, if someone says, if, if a woman comes and says, I really want to improve my relationship with my daughter, she's moved across the coast, she's not really talking with me. And then I'll discover that she's really not on talking terms with her own mother. So this is a transgenerational pattern that is alive. And all transgenerational patterns are the, are the energy of unresolved emotions. There is something unresolved and the ancestors want us to heal it because we, we are their flesh and blood. We are, as you said once before, in earth school. So we are the only ones who can make amends. That's why our work is so important. Our work is so sacred. And I want people to know that, that what they're doing, even when they feel like victims, they're doing, they're unraveling something so much bigger than them. Absolutely. I mean, I look back at my own family because I've done quite a lot of looking into my past, you know, on both sides, um, mother and father, and covering patterns and it, it, it actually is quite empowering because then you feel that you have a responsibility for future generations in your family. Because if you can ease some of these traumas or resolve a pattern, you kind of free, don't you, the next generation? Because <laughs> you know, they don't have to repeat yeah, it. That, uh, that's so well put. And there's an African proverb that I just love. It says, when you cut your chains, you free yourself. When you cut your roots, you die. And I think this shows sort of the balancing act that we as humans are on. We have to honor those who came before us, and yet we have to let go of the conditioning, let go of 
the expectation that, you know, whatever we wanted um, is going to happen, is going to come from our parents or grandparents and just simply let it go, recognizing that, you know, they did the best they could. If they, if it wasn't the best, there was some trauma they were carrying, but we have a responsibility to ourselves. We have a responsibility to the generations who come after us because when we heal ourselves, we heal those who came before us and we heal those who come after us. And also we really heal the world. We fill the gap that we sort of came to fill in this world, which was uniquely only ours to fill. Beautiful. You also talk about family constellations. Can you tell me a bit more about that and how learning about family constellation constellations is influencing your work at the moment with people who have these patterns you know when people would come to me and I would listen and I would see these patterns and I was like why is this happening and I started to notice patterns in my own life patterns that went back to my grandmother because my sister my mother and I we all lived in cities we hadn't grown up in we had a sense of not belonging of wanting to try and fit in and you know there was this sort of tension in the whole process. And it went back to my grandmother. But when you start to look at family constellations, you start to get a window into what could have led to this backstory. And the way a family constellation works, it is like a group process. It's an energy process. It's in family constellations, Family is considered an energy field so that the energy of the family members, whether they're alive or not, their energy becomes present. So there might be like a a client and there's a facilitator. So the client presents their problem and chooses somebody to represent themselves and other family members. Everyone sits in a circle. The center of the circle is empty. And those who have been called in to represent the client or their family members start to experience the emotions and even the body language of the client and their family members. And it just happens naturally. It happens automatically. No previous training is needed. Nothing is needed. And as they step into this circle, the client then starts to get an insight into what could have happened in this family. And that is a heart-centered opening that is then made possible for the client because that's where the healing happens at the level of the heart. So there's a little shift in understanding, a little compassion, a window that opens that starts the healing process. I, I hear you. And, and how did you apply this to yourself, didn't you? Because um, it changed your life, your understanding of patterns with your, your own family. What, what did you learn? I learned that uh, the most important lesson that I learned, which I think is how I feel the pattern has shifted, is that you cannot belong anywhere outside of yourself. You can only belong to yourself. And once I had arrived at that space of like understanding that I could only belong to myself and from there I could then live anywhere, I, I did not need to be someplace to belong. 
everything started to shift for me. And that's what I really now end up wanting people to understand and learn that restoring that connection to yourself is what brings you home. That's the lesson. And I, I see that completely shifted things in my whole family energy field. Restoring that energetic connection to yourself brings you home. That is poetry. That is spiritual poetry. That's beautiful. Now, in your book, you also have exercises for working with energy to heal present and past traumas, which probably are going to create future traumas if they're not healed. And one of them is interesting. It's creating an ancestral altar can you explain what that is? It, it's not very complicated, is it? I don't want people to panic and think they have to go and buy all these things. But how, what is it? How do you do it? And how does it work? It's, it's very simple. And actually, the idea of an ancestral altar, uh, there's a Cuban uh, anthropologist, medical anthropologist, Alberto Violdo. And he said that, you know, ancestors were honored in traditions all over the world. And in South America, they had what was called an ancestral altar. And he said, you know, in Western traditions, we think of um, this as ancestor worship. He said, it's not really ancestor worship. It's you want to know where your ancestors are, because if you know where they are, then they're not going to be running amok, ruining your life. So an ancestral altar anchors the energy of the ancestors in a certain place. And if you can actually stop at that altar and light a candle, put some incense, put some flowers, you're actually praying for the evolution of the souls of your ancestors. You're, you're praying for them to sort of move to higher realms when they can, where they can start to be more helpful. Otherwise, their energies are hanging around you and they are acting like a ceiling on your life. So you can create an ancestral altar anywhere you like in your house, just not in your bedroom, because that's where it's attracting certain energies, but just anywhere in your house, um, preferably a little bit raised, or it could be a shelf, a little table, anything. If you have images of your ancestors, you can put them there. If you don't have images, you know, just um, anything from nature, from outside, a map, maybe where you're from objects. It's just whatever you feel like, whatever you feel drawn to. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. It doesn't have to be anything special. Just a little token that, you know what, this is a place where I want to just honor my ancestors. I want to pray for their well-being. Kind of focal point as well. It sort of like gets them organized in one place so they're not running <laughs> all, all over the place. And you, you can kind of get some discipline in your thoughts and your feelings regarding them as well. It's in this one place. It's kind of tidy, isn't it? Do you think it's one, that's one of the best ways to start beginning to heal your roots? I think that's one way. Um, in India, for instance, we don't actually have ancestral altars. We have just altars, uh, which become places where you stop and uh, you know ex ex express your gratitude um, express your sorrows, your frustrations, but it becomes a place where you anchor the energy of the home. I never really understood that until I started working with the ancestral energy, but any altar anchors the energy of your home. The other thing is, most importantly, is working with your own emotions because emotions are showing you where you may have disconnected from yourself. So then 
if you if you start to work with your emotions, they become a compass that bring you home. And what I mean by that is, you know, for instance, if you take if you take jealousy, like people think of jealousy as such a negative emotion. And, you know, she's so jealous and there's so much judgment around it. But if you think of jealousy as, you know, I really want something that she has and I cannot have it, or I've tried to have it, but I know I will never have it. This is not going to happen to me in my life. Or I really want it, but I don't know how to get it. And then you start to see underneath that jealousy is sadness, bitterness, fear, not knowing what to do, maybe a feeling of loneliness. So there's so many emotions. And each of those emotions are where we might have lost connection with ourselves. So it's an invitation to show so much compassion for yourself, to take yourself forward and be so kind to yourself. And if we can just start with that, like with the altars, with the emotions, then I think that's a great place to start. It's I love I love the fact that you've raised about being compassionate and kind to yourself. Why is it so many of us, even though we know we need to, a lot of people involved in spiritual work know that self-love, self-care, self-compassion is important. Why do we still struggle with that? I think at some level we get the message that we are not so I think we're always told we are rational beings who have emotions. So if, you know, we might have heard the messages when we were really small, you're too sensitive, you're too emotional, get over it. Don't bring your problems to work. Why haven't you got, got, got over it uh, till now? So we keep getting the message that our feelings are wrong. There's something wrong if we feel too much. And yet if we flip that and we say, you know, we are emotional beings who rationalize, who try to rationalize what has happened to us. Then instead, if we can understand that we are, we are really emotional beings, then we can start to honor our emotions. And self-care then becomes a process of understanding, acknowledging, and recognizing that your emotions have a message. And then we can start that journey to self-care because it's more about taking a care of ourselves emotionally first. I love this. There's always a light bulb moment for me in interviews, and you've just given me that. Thank you so much. Because, I mean, this actually is therapy for me doing this podcast. I learned so much from my wonderful guests. You know, that's why I'm, I'm, I am so selective about who I invite on, because you just have said something which I know is going to help so many people, because... We are told to, we're kind of rational beings and we've got to deal with these pesky emotions. And you've just flipped that on the head in a beautiful way, saying, no, you're an emotional being and you've got to deal with <laughs> pesky logic. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And, you know, Teresa, if, if we do nothing else, if we do nothing about honoring our ancestors or anything else, but if we say, I'm no longer going to be a victim and I'm take responsibility mm. for my for my life and let go of searching for this uh, appreciation acknowledgement validation from everybody else then we can start the journey to healing and the longest journey healing journeys from the intellect to the heart 
So if we can make, if we can travel this distance from the intellect to the heart, we can actually heal almost immediately. Oh, wow. Love this. I'm feeling like, you know, goosebumps there. This is exciting. And in a way, actually, I found in my life now, when I start relying on external things for validation, I realize I'm being tested then. And I, I, I've almost got to the point now when I, I think, no, I'm not going to let that happen anymore. It's, you know what I mean? When external, what, how the world approves of you or, you know, any, anything that you do externally, it's kind of almost like a test really, isn't it? Because we do so easily give ourselves over to wanting approval from others, validation. Yeah. But that's never going to end well, is it's it? It's like that, it's like that uh, you know, the African proverb, like the, the, the line that we have to walk, it's like, I feel like been called a razor's yeah. edge um, by writers even. Um, it's, a, it's a sharp road that we walk. And when we fall off it, uh, we can walk it, but then we can also fall off it when we start searching for something outside of ourselves. It, it, yeah, it is a human tendency to do. So don't feel bad, everyone listening, if you you, you do, you know, because sometimes it's nice to get pat on the back and for things to go well and it makes us feel good as long as you don't get all your happiness and joy dependent on that external validation and there's inner wealth too. Um, I, I knew I was going to love your book when you, you promised very early on that you're going to give us a glimpse into, I think you put the invisible world. I mean, I, I kind of know what you mean there, but what, what do you mean by that? You know, I think the invisible world is all around us. And you yourself know that so well, Teresa. And I think in the book, I try to show that one invisible world is your ancestors. So if you look at patterns in your life, if you, if you look at the feeling of being stuck, then asking, who did this happen to before me? sort of opens that window into that invisible world if your ancestors are not alive. Your emotions are sort of a connecting element between your world and other invisible worlds, whether it's with your ancestral emotions that are being repeated or you're allowing yourself to open into a portal of higher emotions that come through connecting with your spiritual self. So emotions is the other part of this invisible world. And the spiritual connection is another part of the invisible world. So those are the three invisible worlds. And then the fourth world that I think is so healing is not invisible, but it's the energy um, of Mother Earth, the mother of all mothers, the mother of all fathers. And if we can connect with her energy, which in some ways is also almost like an invisible energy, um, we have all the tools we need to really start healing. And thank you for mentioning that word tools here, because, you know, this is not just a theoretical read. You also offer exercises and practical tools that can help you recognize, you know, negative patterns that you've, 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 you've become part of you and, and release them and heal them in the book, yeah. don't you? And you have a very interesting framework called HOME acronym could you just I mean I hope you've got time I always wish there was more time on this podcast but could you tell us just a little bit about your framework yeah I just touched on it and it's it, it's the same four things H is to honor your ancestors 
always to observe your emotions because they have a message for you, a message of where you've disconnected from yourself. M is to magnify your spiritual connection because it allows you to see how you are being taken care of. Because if you have the law of karma, which is an operation, you also have the grace, which is present everywhere if you stop and notice, which is why gratitude is so important because it allows you to notice the presence of grace. And E is to engage with Mother Earth. Because think of the time when you go for a walk, if you come back, you feel a lot better. So the earth sort of absorbs our our negative emotions. So home is you're honoring your ancestors, observing your emotions, magnifying your spiritual connection, and engaging with Mother Earth. There's no place like home, everyone. <laughs> Those Wizards of the Oz fans there. That's beautiful because, you know, home isn't a physical place, is it? It's, it's, it's truly where the heart is. And you, you you just described that so eloquently. Thank you. And and just to round up here, what's the one thing that you would want listeners to take away from this interview and by extension readers after reading Heal Your Ancestral Roots? I I would really want people to reconnect with themselves because that is the start of the journey of healing and to reconnect with their ancestors in terms of looking for ancestral patterns if they have access to them. If they don't, to simply honor your ancestors by lighting a candle and offering your gratitude for the challenges of your lineage as well as the blessings. And that starts the journey to reclaiming your power. It starts the journey to creating the life you want. Yeah, you mentioned both because we often talk about negative family patterns and traumas in the past, but you also acknowledge that there are blessings as well, aren't there? There's there's a flip side. Yes, to there is, and um, you know, just noticing perhaps you have a sense of humor, perhaps you have you work really well with your hands. You know, there are little little things. Perhaps you have an amazing singing voice. You you know, there are gifts that we get from our lineage, from our parents, grandparents. But if we only focus on the negative, we miss the the you know the little blessings we get, which is why gratitude then becomes so important. Perspective. Thank you so much. And for people who want to find out more about you, Anu, and your work, perhaps message you and also order your book, Heal Your Ancestral Roots, what's the best way to connect to you? Um, you can um, send me a message through my website, healyourancestralroots.com. Join the Facebook group, Heal Your Ancestral Roots. And um, either of those, are, I can be reached and connect. Perfect. And, and if people wanted to work with you, could, could they message you there as well? Is there an email? Yes, contact? through the website. Perfect. Thank you. Are you on social media? You spent yes, Facebook. Facebook and Instagram, but Facebook is the best. Perfect. And the book is available on Amazon, usual usual places that books uh, are sold. I, is it available in, in the UK yet? Because I, I know you're based in the It US. has released in the US today, and I think it will release in the UK um, maybe in the next few weeks. Oh, that's March 2023, if you're listening ahead of time. Hello, future. I love it when the future's listening. But if you're listening ahead of time, that's March 2023. So in the US. Um, but And I hope it comes to the UK as well, because sometimes it, it's funny how it works. Sometimes publishers, sometimes they publish in 
countries at different times. Yes, well, I think it's like about four weeks from now, from March 14th here today. And your publisher? Which, so the, the book publisher? is available also on Inner Traditions, Barnes & Noble, Perfect. or um, Amazon. Perfect. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed speaking to you. It's just wonderful. Thank you. And I can't let you go without the inevitable Lord of the Rings question. Um, have you read it? If not, why not? <laughs> I, I didn't read it. I did start reading it, but I started to get anxious about him. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you did. But have you watched the movies? I mean, I guess that's the easiest. <laughs> My whole family loves the movie. (laughs) Okay, so here's your question. If you could be a character or object in Lord of the Rings, who or what would it be and why? I would be Frodo. We've got a Frodo. This is really cool because, you know, I've been asking this question a while now on White Shores and it's people often, because of the, the line of work they're in, they go for the energetic the spiritual sort of like surreal characters and you've gone for the hobbit who carries the ring the burden why because um i don't know that's what life is you can't lose yourself you know you you got to go through it it's hard but it's it's um it's what makes you you and you won't get this chance in this lifetime again to you know he leaves he loves the shire but he need, knows he needs to leave it to have the greatest adventure of his life and and save you know everyone in the process <laughs> oh that's wonderful Anu. i should think of you as frodo now because it really helps because when people identify with a character you can learn so much about them so if you want to connect with anu slash frodo <laughs> I hope you all do because it really is worth the investment of your time and do check her out and um, you know and and let me know what you think about this episode too and reach out to Anu and thank you everyone for listening and above all thank you Anu for the gift gift of your precious time thank you so much Teresa it's been a pleasure to really talking with you Thank you from my heart and soul for being here and walking beside me in spirit on White Shores. Sensitive, kind, compassionate souls like you who see beyond the material are needed more than ever today to help this earth heal and evolve. If you have any questions, stories or insights to share, I absolutely love hearing from you and aim to reply to everyone in due course. My website is www.teresachung.com. My contact email is angeltalk710 at aol.com. And you can message me via my Instagram handle, the Teresa Chung, as well as my Facebook and Twitter author pages. Until we meet again on these white shores, keep being amazing spiritual you, sending my eternal love and gratitude. <laughs>